0: This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com.
1: To the 15 to the 10, Murray's going to score! Touchdown!
2: Welcome to the Cardinals' Red Sea Report.
1: Slammed to the ground by Puda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown.
2: The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go.
1: One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel?
2: Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. So the
3: scouting combine was last week. We've got free agency next week. So this week, gentlemen, just is kind of there. You kind of look back and look ahead, which we will do here this week on the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by Geek, your ticket to great seats. Good to see everyone. And as we talk about the NFL scouting combine, before we do anything else, Drew, I I, I I literally laughed out loud when I saw the rundown on today's show because we're going to talk in depth about what happened last week in Indianapolis. But our fine, esteemed executive producer Jim Omohundra pointed out the two thousand seven Drew Stanton Combine Results. By the way, you checked in at six three two twenty six. I'm guessing you're maybe what? A little
4: shorter. Be careful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little a little shorter, a little lighter, maybe? <laughs> different weight distribution now. <laughs> and, a, and a little bit heavier.
3: What do you remember two thousand seven? Although it's, you know, almost, dare I say, two decades ago.
4: Yeah, I mean look, that it's so strategic when you go there, right? And it is all mapped out. Uh, All of the work that you go in, as soon as your college career is done, you go to these magnificent facilities. They have you training to a T, everything. It's like robots by the time you go to the combine, and you're so prepared. You land in India. It's regimented. You're going through all this stuff. The thing, uh, and obviously at this point, because it's so well-documented, as you talked about from when I was there in 2007, it's on TV. It's a whole event what you don't see on TV is what the teams are actually there for. It's for the interviews. It's for all of this stuff. And they want to make you uncomfortable. They want to see how you adapt. The combine is more about them saying, okay, we want to take this guy off of our list. They're looking for deficiencies. They're looking for holes. They're looking for chinks in the armor. And these, you know, these corporations or these companies that have these training facilities now are trying to make sure you can go in there as bulletproof as possible. So they have ways to be able to speed things up or look at different things. And it's so position specific when you're doing on the field stuff, right? When you're going there and you're doing all this stuff on top of getting chance of being around these teams or in meeting rooms, but you're also seeing teams start to pull back, right? Notable people that aren't at the combine this year or anything like this, right? There's only so much information you can gather, but there's also so much information people People have already gathered to this point about each and every player on their draft boards as they're putting their list together because school visits or talking about this stuff, it's so strategic and there's so much more information that's readily available as opposed to 2007 when it wasn't out there, it wasn't common knowledge, uh, that it is vastly different now on how everyone is being assessed and the information that is at everyone's disposal. It's almost two parts, the scouting combine Paul,
3: because you have what is televised. That's the on-field workouts, which to me is minimal importance when you're looking at drafting somebody. And then there's the non-televised, which is the medicals, the interviews, the face-to-face. That's what
5: the teams put emphasis on at the scouting combine. And you know what? As they should, as Monty Asiford said going into the combine, that the most important thing to him was the medical, then the interviews, and then they go to the film, and then it's the combine. As it should be. Can you play? What sort of person are you? Uh, Now, if you really want me to, I can bust out the NFL.com all combine team that they named. But that's not going to do anyone any good. However, it is effective when it comes to certain players at certain positions. Like, oh, I don't know, the guy that killed the combine, Anthony Richardson. And what do we hear today? A, uh, A report on the Rich Eisen show that he's hearing rumors, quote, don't discount Anthony Richardson going first overall. That's exactly what the Cardinals need. What is the mantra right now? AZ needs three. We're coining that. You need three quarterbacks at the very top. And then you know what? Maniasa Fort can do business. Somebody's going to come in and make him an offer he can't refuse. Well, ESPN's Todd McShea, his
3: third official mock draft, at the first post-scouting combine, actually has Anthony Richardson checking in at number 4 as the Bears trade down twice and the Raiders move up. To get Richardson at number four, so already the benefits of Richardson's workout paying dividends. Because if you have three quarterbacks in the top five Paul, you're likely if you're the Cardinals sitting very pretty at number three, either getting Will Anderson or dropping back a couple of spots.
5: And you know what, a quarterback going number four, I, I think Manny he would take exception to that because he's going to make it known. You know what, I'll trade with someone at number 3 who He'll take that quarterback before he ever gets to number four, and that's when the Cardinals really cash it in.
3: Well let's hear from the general manager Monty Ossinforts on being open for business at number
0: three. It's a position that I hope that we're not in too many more years. You know, it presents an opportunity that there's gonna be a good player there for us to take at number three. And so we'll be prepared to to pick a player at number three. Our phones will be open and, and I'm open to hearing any conversation about anybody that's willing to willing to come up. And now
3: the discussion, the rumors, the reports, Drew, as far as what will happen, because all of these college prospects, they've done nothing since, what, first, second week of January for a handful of those prospects? For many, nothing since December, yet you're going to hear names rise up, fall down, without doing
4: anything outside of the combine And Pro Days. Exactly. And that's where you've got to go back and look at the tape, right? That's what it's all about. It's not uh, anything that you can really say and say, wow, they've really made this huge jump from when they last played football because it comes down to playing football. Dan Campbell talked about it, right, of talking about running around in your pajamas versus assessing the tape, (laughs) I think is what his his quote was. And it's so true, right, as you look at these guys and you look at somebody, and Anthony Richardson is a prime example of a guy that just rose up draft boards because of the physical specimen that he is. It hasn't changed. He's been that guy from the very onset. He has that capability of doing all of these things. And, And it just so happens that when you play this sport, and you have a franchise, you have to have a franchise quarterback. And these teams that are so eager to jump up and do that – There's also a detriment if you don't find your quarterback. If you are the New York Jets that try to sit there and draft a guy or overdraft a guy that's not ready for it, and there's so many things. It's not necessarily just the player. It's the player that's going into the situation within that organization that matters so much. There has to be a marriage there that makes sense for both sides. You can't just jump up because you have a quarterback need and say, okay, Anthony Richardson fits every single scheme in the NFL to do what we want to do. It's not feasible. It's not possible. There's a guy like... Bryce Young that you look at and say, man, he has everything you want, except for he's six foot, 200 pounds. That's terrifying because he's going to have guys that are going to be breathing down his neck, hitting him. Can he stay healthy? Can he do all of these things? So every quarterback has a little bit of a question mark, but then you also look at next year's draft, and that's what I think a lot of us get enamored with the 2023, and they're not looking to 2024, much like the vision of these other teams that are saying, well, Caleb Williams is coming up, Drake May is going to be eligible. Those two guys right there They make me get excited just talking about their names much more than any one of these guys because of what they've done on a football field and the body of work that already exists. It's always
3: about the quarterback when we talk about the draft because, as you mentioned it, Drew, if you have one, you have a chance. If you don't, well, you have zero chance at success on Sundays. A couple more notes here from the scouting combine. Let's hear from the general manager on what he believes is the benefit to that week in Indianapolis.
0: The most important thing that we get out of this week is the medical evaluations, is the players being here and, and having our doctors and having our trainers, getting a chance to examine the players and just finding out where they are physically. And really the second most important thing that I get out of this is the face-to-face time when we interview with the players, um, both in the in the formal settings and the informal meetings that our coaches are doing. Uh, those, have been, those have been great. And then we'll get into the workouts as well. Those are important, but I'd, I'd put the medical and the interviews up above the, uh, the on-field Workouts
3: and you and I were talking about this the other day, Paul. As far as what Richardson was able to do at the combine, a four-four-three forty, he set a what it was a a, a vertical jump record for quarterbacks. <laughs> yep. But you look and go back to the film. What he did his one year at Florida as a starter, he completed less than fifty-four percent of his passes. Yeah, you can improve your accuracy a little bit. Josh Allen proved that with the Buffalo Bills coming from Wyoming. But go back to the film. Bryce Young, successful. C.J. Stroud, successful.
5: If Richardson was that good, why were not the Florida Gators better as a team? He's this year's Trey Lance, if you ask me. He only had 13 starts at Florida. He's got that small body of work, which might actually serve him well because there's still that unknown, that potential upside that some team's going to be willing to gamble on. They're going to see the measurables. They're going to see the athletic traits. They're going to listen to to him say how he's been calling himself Cam Jackson ever since the 11th grade. A blend of Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson. And look, there's an NFL exec that was quoted on the Rich Eisen show today who said, quote, he's a blend of Allen, Cam, and Fields. And the Josh Allen point, I think, and you tell me, Drew, I think this is very important because until Josh Allen... There wasn't a big-time quarterback prospect who truly improved his accuracy, his completion percentage from one year to the next to the third. I mean, look at the remarkable improvement, and I think that helps Anthony Richardson because now teams look at that and say, "You know what? We can rebuild him. We can get him to you know to maximize all these other
4: skills and complete balls and be accurate." Because look what has happened to Josh Allen. Yeah, well, I think it goes like I said before, though it depends where he's going now. I've never met a coach that didn't think he could fix a quarterback. That's what Jim Alejandro said earlier before we came on air. And it's so true because everybody looks at Josh Allen as the gold standard. He is one Of one that has done that, right? And that happens through multiple things. First of all, the player has to realize there is a extreme need for that. Every quarterback wants to be accurate, but what is causing the inaccuracy to take place matters just as much on top of the scheme and the players within the confines of that scheme understanding, okay, we've got to have outlets. You've got to be able to do these things to be able to help you get your body in a position to make these throws. So it's not as simple as saying, okay, well, Josh Allen did it, so he's capable of doing it, and you throw in Cam Newton and then a little side of Lamar Jackson, and we've got ourselves the best player ever to play the game. That's not possible or feasible to think that he's capable of doing that, and those are unrealistic expectations. Now, You're talking about Cam Newton, who was just ahead of the curve, uh, and unfortunately has has left this Cardinals franchise uh, with with a lot of uh, sighing that took place and being on the other side of the field, because he just put you and stayed on schedule within what he was capable of doing as far as a quarterback and running ability. But Cam was that size, too, uh, with every single skill set. But it took him a while to understand it. And what was around him? A fantastic run game. Not just his own run game. Because right now we're seeing Josh Allen have some chinks in his armor. He can't be his own run game. No quarterback has the ability and sustainability to do that throughout the course of their career. So to say, okay, Anthony Richardson can go out there and run the ball and do all of these things on a consistent basis, it, I would have a huge red flag there. And then also going back to what Craig said, you know, low 50 percentage in college is extremely alarming from the standpoint of half those throws are just easy bubbles or outlets or RPOs or anything like that. So if you're not, you're barely above 50% there when the windows are much more open if they're much more easy throws, free access throws. You know that's that's going to be a little bit scary versus some of these other guys that you've done. And again, that's why the NFL has created this year-round type of uh, ability to talk about events and different things because there is the illusion of some of these guys being able to climb. I mean, Will Levis was saying, "I can't wait to show, go out and show off my cannon." It was like there's so much more to yeah. play in this position than having a cannon and throwing it 65 yards in the field down the field because. You very rarely will ever see a ball go that far. And so, you know... Uh, people
5: well, he, you came out on the same class as Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, that, exactly. Right? And what do he do? He threw it like 80 yards in that workout,
4: right? For sure. The flick of a wrist. How often do you do that, right? It doesn't matter if you can't anticipate and throw with accuracy and have a timing passing game within that. So uh, all of these quarterbacks are, are are just intriguing from the standpoint. They all have a little bit different of a skill set. And, and anyone can argue that Anthony Richardson's skill set's as good as anybody when it comes to measurables. But playing this position is far more about the immeasurables that you have to look at if you're going to be a franchise quarterback because you take on the persona of that team, and that team and that franchise puts all their eggs in that basket of you and saying, okay, you're going to lead us.
3: By the way, I looked it up, Drew. You did not complete less than 61% of your passes in any of your three years as a starter at Michigan State. Oh, thank you. (laughs) By the way, the three-cone was not listed in here, and I know you took exception to that. You ran a 4.77 7 in the 40, but your three-cone was outstanding. Yeah, almost
4: tried to make me look better. It's all right. You know, you're talking about the best combine ever. I- I'm comfortable with my numbers. I stand pat.
3: And the resume backs you up as far as your length, longevity, in the National Football League episode 56 of the day Pass podcast featuring cardinals under michael bidwell is available now via your preferred podcast provider get the latest updates via twitter at hash pod as we continue here on the cardinals red sea report presented by SeatGeek, geek your ticket to great seats more from the scouting combine and who the cardinals may have their eye on at number three we'll get to that next here on the arizona cardinals radio network
5: Anderson, yes, he's talented, but it's about the effort that he gives turns
3: into a supernova. Wow! Well,
1: Will Anderson doing damage! Anderson got there! It was a simple full race, and Will Anderson with the sack for Alabama. Oh, we talked about, do you double him, do you chip him, well... Sure as heck, there's one thing you can't do is just leave him one on one, swarmed under by Will Anderson. The best pass rusher we've seen in college football in a long time. Quarterback will keep it and gets taken down. Will Anderson Jr., lying in wait, but is intercepted. This is Will Anderson Jr. touchdown.
3: Ten sacks and interception led the SEC. And tackles for loss. Led the nation in pressures last year. Talking about Alabama's edge rusher, Will Anderson, 6'4", 243. Two-time winner of the Bronco Nagurski Award, which goes to the nation's top defensive player. And right now, given the news of Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, fronts and center, Paul, when you talk about the number one defensive player on the board, And very much in range for
5: the Cardinals at number three, should they stay at number three? Don't block Will Anderson with a tight end. All right, pro tip right there from Paulie Pencilneck. Not going to work. I mean, he's everything you want in an edge rusher, at least at this point of the evaluation. He has all the production you could ever want in the SEC, two time SEC Defensive Player of the Year. You saw the ability at the combine, you hear him talk and how humble he is. The interviews reportedly went very well. Talks about how his mom and his five older sisters keep him grounded as a human being, all the success he's had. The fact, he might have been the first pick in the draft a year ago, but he couldn't come out. So everything that he brings and how proven he is at Alabama, where they nicknamed him the Terminator. um, Yeah, if he's there at number 3, and and you presume he will be because somebody's got to make Chicago an offer they can't refuse for the quarterback. So then I think ultimately... And this is an ideal situation to be in. What will the Cardinals do? Will they listen to calls right to the very end or they run that name card straight up to the podium for Will Anderson at number three?
3: Bears at number one, they have a quarterback. The Texans select number two, they need a quarterback. Then you have the Cardinals at number three, and it's very difficult. Well, it's one, you need that quarterback, but you also, Drew, need someone to get after the quarterback. And when you look at the Cardinals' roster right now, they don't have that prototypical edge rusher that you are afraid of that you game plan against they have bodies but they don't have that guy and perhaps Will Anderson again it's all a projection but you got to like what he did in college projecting him to be an all pro in the National Football League.
4: Oh, man, yeah. No, I'm. Look, you, you look at Houston, you have no idea what they're going to do because you would think they'd draft a quarterback, but maybe they're in love with Will Anderson and they're just letting everybody talk about the fact they're going to take a quarterback. If I am the Arizona Cardinals, I am not picking up a phone. I am doing exactly what Paul said. I am running up there with Will Anderson's name in my hand and giving it to them. This is a dynamic playmaker that, again... To your point, they don't come along, and once you get them in the building, you don't let them leave. They are here for the duration of their career as long as you feel good about the trajectory of where they're headed. And Will Anderson knows what it's like, where he went to college. He knows what an NFL scheme looks like. It's business-like mentality. Again, he also had the luxury of being around Nick Saban and a winning culture there of what that looks like. All of those things play into the fact that when he stepped foot on the field, that's who defense or that's who offenses were game planning for. How do we stop Will Anderson? He still went out and had double digit stacks. He still had the most pressures in all of college football when everybody's whole scheme was to try and stop this one guy. So at the NFL level, right, you look at what's on this roster, it makes too much sense that if Will Anderson is there that you don't risk trying to drop back and get somebody else because this is a generational talent that you can plug and play from the very onset of what's going on and feel great about it for a decade to come.
5: So how do you evaluate, Drew, though, the quality versus the quantity? What if there's multiple first-round picks offered at number 3 versus a guy who one NFL executive is quoted on NFL.com after the combine is saying Will Anderson is much more of a slam dunk than any quarterback in this draft. That was his assessment. But how do you weigh that if someone's throwing at you multiple first round picks? Because that has been the norm when teams have tried to go up to number three, most recently,
4: where well, the Niners had to give up for Trey Lance. I, I would argue okay, well, do you think those teams that are sitting there with Joey Bosa or somebody like that? that's saying we'll give up two first-round picks or would you rather have Joey Bosa? Because when you're in the top five and you have a chance to get a pass rusher with this kind of a skill set that not only is a pass rusher but can play the run, can do all the things you need him to do and revamps and instantaneously makes a huge position of concern a strength, Because now you plug guys in, and there's going to be other guys, other effort guys, or different guys like that. It instantaneously makes that room a little bit different in the dynamics of what you have to do. Because he's going to go out, and he's going to produce. But then it's easier to draw different free agency guys, guys on one-year prove-it deals that say, hey, I can go here and get double-digit sacks potentially, because I know Will Anderson is stepping foot in that building. The le- the latter half of the first round, right? It-, it could be hit or miss of what you're getting. You're developing talent. Are you drafting based on need? Are you bat- looking at athleticism? What are you looking for for that last half of the first round or, or bottom third? it does not compare to a top five and Monty talked about it, right? Hopefully you're not in this position a lot. You don't want to be in this position a lot or else you're not going to be around here long. But if you have a position, if you're in the position this year to draft top five and get somebody that arguably could have been the number one overall pick last year, and you can get them at number three this year, just because the draft board fell that way. I am running up there to submit that name and get an Arizona Cardinals hat on his head.
3: Edge Rusher, a premium position according to Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon. Let's hear from Will Anderson last week from the scouting combine.
0: Nothing has to motivate me to get ready to go play a football game. It's already in me. That's how much I love the game. You know, the biggest thing for me is jumping up and down with my brothers, celebrating, making plays. That's what football is all about, and that's why I love it because you get to make those memories with those guys in the locker room and um, long-lasting relationships with those guys, and that's why I love the game so much.
3: You look at what the Cardinals did last year, Paul, as far as getting after the quarterback, and I know sacks aren't always the answer, but 36 sacks last season, not great bottom third in the league but you look at who led the team in sacks j.j watt defensive lineman retired you yep. zach allen five and a half free agent to be defensive lineman isaiah simmons finished with four defensive back can play anywhere on the field my j sanders and cameron thomas draft picks a year ago each had three sacks Those are your top two edge rushers when you look at the number of
5: sacks from that position last year. So last year, if we're talking about that, to Drew's point, if it was Trayvon Walker or Will Anderson, who do you think would have been the number 1 pick? I'm guessing Will Anderson. They used him at outside linebacker. They used him at defensive end, hand in the dirt. They even used him inside, where he's blowing up guards and centers. It's, It's sort of like the way the Patriots initially used Chandler Jones when he was heavier in the beginning of his NFL career with New England. The only reason I throw out the Will Anderson is I think the sleeper position that the Cardinals are targeting in the first round of the draft is cornerback. And if you saw the Clemson defensive lineman, Brian Brissy, and he was the number 1 recruit coming out in his class out of high school, and he is an absolute beast when he went through the combine. Now, he had a knee injury, and his sister passed away tragically. The last couple of years of his Clemson career were marred a little bit. So if he has his mind right and he has his body right, what if you still got a Brian Ricci in the top 10, and then maybe somewhere in the middle of the first round, you got a Christian Gonzalez, that corner. What if you got those two building blocks? You wouldn't have Will Anderson, and of course the fear is he falls to number 5 and maybe goes to Seattle, which would be brutal, but you would end up with two stalwart pieces of your defense as opposed to one. That's the only thing I throw out there as a potential benefit to a trade. All right, as a quarterback, Drew, when you're preparing
3: for that week, is it— the edge rusher, or is it the <laughs> cornerback that a quarterback fears the most or figures out where they are
4: when you break the huddle? You know what? I, I uh, can be politically correct here and probably toe the line, but uh, I'm not going to. Uh, an edge rusher every single day of the week matters so much more than a corner. I don't care who the corner is. If you give me enough time, the wide receivers that are exist in this league, they're going to get open. And, and that would be my argument is uh, the, that – Part of the, the first round where you're drafting a corner, what's the difference uh, in the top of the second round? It's essentially a late first round pick based off of what you're looking to plug and play for corners and where you're going to put in your system with Jonathan Gannon, that again probably thinks he can develop corners or do any of these things. You're not talking about a top 10 corner. You're not talking about a Denzel War type of game changing corner that you're going to put in there and be like, this half of the field is on lockdown. Sauce, not, Gardner yeah, exactly. yeah. Sauce Gardner last year. Exactly, Sauce Gardner. Same thing. He's bringing so much more to the table. Now, there's really good corners that exist in the, the first half, you know, in the second part of the first round, but how many of those corners also didn't pan out? Because for whatever reason, even the top corners of, you look at Jeff Okuda, his career has taken a while to take off uh, as being a, you know, a top five pick. So corner is a position that I, I think... Is a lot easier to play when you have guys getting after the quarterback. And this scheme fits on top of that with Will Anderson of what they don't want to bring pressure. They want to get pressure with four. And so this guy makes too much sense with where it's at to be able to then on the the second round pick be able to draft four corner because it is a huge area of concern, right? You have to be able to do that. You can never have enough good corners, but the premium is the pass rusher.
3: Can Will Anderson be Chandler Jones? Can he be Hassan Reddick, which Jonathan Gannon had last year? in Philadelphia. The other name out there, Paul, is Tyree Wilson who measures up. He's taller, he's bigger, does not have the numbers as a Will Anderson coming out of Texas Tech versus what Anderson did at Alabama. But that's another run, another name out there as far as edge rushers. But I do think there's a there's a pretty
5: big separation between Anderson and Wilson. No doubt and no anyone who 's looked at the film pretty much agrees with that, although Daniel Jeremiah had that one mock draft, and then when you click on the scouting reports you 're like, "Wait one doesn 't equal another because the scouting report on Will Anderson was way beyond the scouting report on a Tyree Wilson. However, if you were to trade out a number three, Tyree Wilson could be a possibility as a guy on the edge, but to drew 's point, I get it, you want to improve your cornerback play, get a great pass rusher, and truly there 's one edge rusher in this. In this class, it stands above everyone else. And arguably, there's between three and five elite corners in this draft. It's a pretty deep draft when it comes to cornerback. So we'll see what the Cardinals elect to do. And then, you know, hey, there are reports that the Cardinals, among other teams, shopping their star players, Cardinals are shopping DeAndre Hopkins. So you know what? Let's say you get a late first, early second for DeAndre Hopkins. Well, that could be the corner in addition to a Will Anderson and number three. While well, you
3: trade away D-Hop, all of a sudden wide receiver becomes a big hole as well. Hollywood Brown under contract for one more year. Don't quite know about Rondell Moore and his availability being available on the football field. You get rid of D-Hop. I understand the reasons why,
5: but all of a sudden you're opening up a large hole at that position. I get the sense that this staff is uh, putting receiver on the back burner. They're going to build the line of scrimmage and they're going to build corner. You know, some of those, those four spots that you look at in round one of a draft, whether it's left tackle, quarterback, corner, pass rusher, they're focusing on that and the defensive line. I think those are the priorities, just reading between the lines. Also got free agency as well, which yep. happens before the drafts.
3: The top needs for the Cardinals when you look at free agency. We'll get to that next. As we continue, it's the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: Snap to Stafford. they get the playoff. Straight drop back, has time. Pumps, Now it's hit, and sacked by Allen. Back at the 29-yard line, the Cardinals force a punt. It's a screen, and it's picked off. Allen on the far side's got it at the 30, at the 20, at the 15, and tackled by Dalton at the 11-yard line. And the ball comes out, and it's scooped up by Zach Allen at the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Mayfield in trouble, steps up, hit, and sacked by Zach Allen back at the 20-yard line. Mayfield three-step drop, has time, throws right side, batted it down, incomplete. Zach Allen. Boy, what a game he's had. Mayfield's going to throw better to the air again, this time by Allen, and it's incomplete. Zach Allen got a hand up. The ball hits the ground incomplete. Cardinals take over on
3: downs. One of the Cardinals' 30 free agents to be when the new league year begins. One week from Wednesday, Zach Allen, top Of the list, as far as I'm concerned, when you rank the Cardinals free agents, yes, Zach can sign between now and next Wednesday, re-sign with the Cardinals, though at this point, Paul, you're this close to figuring out what the rest of the league thinks about you and maybe behind the scenes you already know. But at this point, I wouldn't be surprised either way, but I do think Zach Allen will hit the market It's not like James Conner, Zach Ertz a year ago, both signed ahead of the new league year with the Cardinals. But Zach Allen, to me, is priority number one when you're looking at the list and then figuring out where
5: there are needs on this football team. From everything we know, he wants to be back. Michael Bidwell said to Dave Pash on the Pash pod that Zach Allen wants to be back in the AZ. But to your point, I'm sure... Team Zach spent the combine week trying to get a sense of his market value. And is someone ready to blow his defensive line doors off? We'll see. I mean, if the GM of the Bears, Ryan Poles, can come out and say, I already had conversations with three teams about trading the first pick overall. Oh, it's happening. I mean, there are serious advanced conversations, dare I say, even negotiations as to what certain teams are willing to offer and where that might leave the Cardinals. So I'm, I'm guessing that's part of what's going on behind the scenes as we speak. But look, with the retirement of J.J. Watt and some other draft misses, the importance of that position, I think, is paramount in the rebuild of this team, combined with how Jonathan Gannon and Amani Asiford have talked about the importance of building the line of scrimmage, citing the two Super Bowl teams, and behind their quarterbacks, where did they excel? In the trenches. So I think that's job number one. You gotta rebuild the offensive line, you gotta rebuild the defensive line. And to me, that starts with a guy who was a high third round draft pick not too long ago, one of your own, Zach Allen.
3: Asked about uh, excuse me, asked about the defensive line, those players that are coming back next season, Monty Ossinfort's at the scouting combine immediately went to Jonathan Ledbetter. That was the first name he brought up, and then mentioned Lucky Fo and Richard Lawrence, the latter of whom plays very well when he's available to play. Those are three currents, but you look at what you lose in a J.J. Watt, Drew, and you look at what you have in your own backyard, literally, Zach Allen, you drafted him a day three pick who's been very solid for you over the last two seasons. He's been able to maintain his health, his availability. I just think, especially with the team that wants to build at the line of scrimmage, You can't have a better building piece than a Zach Allen.
4: Yeah, I think it's somebody that you take an honest assessment at because you get first crack at trying to get him under contract, right? You get to be able to do that, and then they take that offer, they shop it at the combine, like you said, and they run it up up the flagpole. And then you hope that they come back and say, okay, can you get to this number or whatever it is because this is a place that you know you throw out the rankings of what the NFLPA did and and all those things this is a place that people want to be because the weather because of the rock star power that exists within this franchise right now and you look at you know Defensive players want to play with Buda Baker. They want to be able to do like that. You look at, at these young linebackers. So defensive linemen, this is an attractive spot, especially for somebody that's been here, understands that. You've got to be willing to move as a free agent, and you've got to make teams feel that but most of us don't want to move. They like the con- you want to keep continuity. You want to be able to keep your house. You want to- you like the familiarity of coming to this facility and working out and doing all of these things on top of the weather and everything else. And again, this city, this community is fantastic. That's why I never left. So in saying that, You want to give the perception that you'll leave if you're Zach Allen, drive that price up as high as possible, and then hopefully come back here, especially with the real likelihood of them drafting somebody on the defensive side of the ball at number 3 that can be a difference maker in your position group. You've learned so much from J.J. Watt. You can be a corner piece. You just want to be respected and compensated accordingly. You
3: look at the free agency and what this now new regime will do, whether it's the general manager, the head coach, that collaboration from the front office to the coaching staff. Jonathan Gannon spoke
0: about that last week. We're going to lean on his side a lot, and he'll lean on our side a lot. But uh, ultimately, it's not about who's making decisions. It's about we make the right decisions for the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, the vision that I had of how I wanted to work with the personnel, the coaches, how we're going to work with the personnel side, vice versa, uh, aligns, you know, very much in the same. So, um, you know, just excited about getting that process, which we've done. We've, you know, started that. And, um, you know, we just got to be right on the people that we bring in to help our team win.
3: No question Zach Allen would certainly help. A Byron Murphy getting him back in uniform, another one of those free agents. And then you look at the offensive line where D.J. Humphreys is the only one. Rodney Hudson, yes, still under contract. According to reports, he's expected to retire, but he was never, I don't think, going to be a part of this team moving forward. So you're looking at the offensive line, Paul, that has four openings as far as
5: the starting line is concerned. You know, if you're looking at outside free agents, I think there's three areas I, I would pinpoint. Number one would be center, because I think there's gonna be other needs in the draft and there aren't that many franchise type centers, at least from based on the initial reports. So you might go the free agent route there. The other one would be corner. If you want a veteran corner, especially if Byron Murphy doesn't come back, you know, there's a lot of talk about James Bradbury, but I think that's going to be too costly. Defensive line to go along with or without Zach Allen, you still need, I think, a veteran defensive lineman in there, especially with J.J. Watt gone, and that's a huge cap number that's off your books for the most part, and so, you know, go to the Eagles. I think this is where the connection to Jonathan Gannon comes in, whether it's a Fletcher Cox, a Javon Hargrave, you could see a guy in a short-term contract. Someone who could come in, would know the system, would be able to set a culture, someone Jonathan Gannon would be really comfortable with. To sort of speak his language. I I could see that happening on either side of the line.
4: Yeah, I think Brandon Graham's a guy that makes sense. If you draft Will Anderson, you have an instantaneous mentor in place of what it looks like to be a professional, do it at an extremely high level, uh, and be able to play off of each other, right? Again... Defensive pass rushers need help. They need to be able to take and alleviate pressure and do those different things. So that to me would make a ton of sense. Of you already know what you're getting with some of these guys. I mean, that's quite honestly how I ended up in Arizona was through Bruce Arians understanding the system. He knew what he was getting out of me, and there's a certain comfort level that already exists there. Then there's also the comfort level of understanding the personnel or talking to guys that are already been in this building, you know, like bringing back a Will Hernandez or. You know, a Calvin Beecham that was the only guy that actually had an entire season on the field is he still a starting caliber guy? Will he accept a backup role so we could actually see Josh Jones take a step forward because you keep betting on the come for him? So there's so many ways that you can play it. And feelings typically get hurt behind the scenes, but the value is what the value is. And the market says what the market is as far as each and every person is concerned. And then you have decisions to make. It would be great to get all of these guys back because I think there is a good nucleus of guys that would buy into Jonathan Gannon's system that would buy into the vision of Monty it. All of these guys will lead you to believe they're capable of adapting to what the new vision of the Cardinals will be.
3: It makes a lot of sense. Again, You bring up a good point, Drew, a couple years back. What Bruce Arians wanted to do, you bring in players who are familiar with that, whether it's offense or defense, you were brought in because of your familiarity with the offense. Now, Gannon was asked specifically about that at the scouting combine. Didn't tip didn't directly dismiss it, but didn't added this, quote, there will be a little bit of carryover, but it's not, you know, a copy and paste job, end quote, when looking at what he did with the Eagles, whether on defense or what his vision is for this offense, Andrew Petzing. But it's very easy to look at the list of Eagles free agents, Browns free agents, Titans free agents, Lions free agents, with Dave Sears now as the assistant general manager to make the connections, but those people also know that list as well and maybe don't want to bring that particular player
5: in for one reason or another. I mean I'm not saying they're going after Derrick Henry but if they're going after some sort of running back you know are there going to be some serious cap moves that are made? What do they think about a James Conner for example? So you know I think I think there's going to be some more severe cuts and changes than we probably all anticipate, yours truly included, and it's all going to happen real soon. Within the next couple of weeks, it's going to start a crescendo. March fifteenth, next
3: Wednesday, the new league year begins. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: Gino has time. Stand strong. Got some running room. Pumping. Now he's going to lay it up over the top. Got a man mid gap. He's down to the fifteen. strong steps ten. Down to five. He is in. Touch. Hooks, Geno Smith starts it with his feet. A beautiful touch pass, and D.K. takes it to the house. Play fake. Seven steps. Looks going to let it fly deep. Metcalf watches. Oh, Lockett gets there to make the catch. How did Lockett make that catch between two defenders? Lockett shot through the front of the end zone and makes the catch for six. Another deep play touchdown to number 16.
3: Not waiting until free agency officially began. Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith re-upping with the team in Seattle. Three years, reported $105 million. That includes $40 million guaranteed at signing. So Geno Smith, Paul, parlays a comeback year in which he was only paid $3.5 million in 2022 to a deal now where he'll make, according to reports, in just
5: signing on the dotted line, forty million dollars. Yeah, the sports business journal said, Yeah, two years, forty million guaranteed, probably fifty if the Seahawks for some reason wanted to get out of it after two years, sort of like the Derek Carr, you can throw all the numbers around, but it's really two years for sixty, maybe seventy before the Saints can get out of it. So There you go. They get established veteran quarterbacks, and then if they find someone in the draft, someone to groom along the way, that's a good time frame, right? It doesn't set your franchise back, but yeah, what Geno Smith was able to do in Seattle, and of course they were able to fix the offensive line. They got both their starting tackles in the draft. They got arguably the best running back in the division in rookie Kenneth Walker. And they have two outstanding receivers. So they fixed a lot of things around Geno Smith last year. A lot of things Russell Wilson did not have. And and Geno Smith flourished, absolutely. And they're a problem, especially based on how they drafted last year and with their draft capital this year. Look out. Smith led the league in
3: completion percentage, finished fourth in touchdown passes, so he stays within the division. Derek Carr comes into the NFC, drew a four-year, $150 million contract, according to reports with the New Orleans Saints. We'll see how much of that money he actually receives. Remember, wasn't it a year ago around this time or a year and a half where Derek Carr and the Raiders... Agreed on a four-year, one hundred-plus million-dollar contract. Then only that relationship lasted only one year.
4: Yeah, a different uh, set of circumstances, but but nonetheless, I think this is two great moves for the players and also for the organization. You look at why Derek Carr would want to go there. That division is up for grabs. I mean, that uh, completely up yep. for grabs, and you would argue that New Orleans is in the driver's seat based on that defense and what they're trying to do with a healthy Alvin Kamara. Hopefully, they can you know get Michael Thomas back to what he's capable of, but you just have Chris, Chris Alave as well. That is an exciting opportunity for a quarterback to go to that type of a situation, so it makes complete sense from Derek Carr's perspective to be able to do that, and both these quarterbacks have a lot of tread on the tire. They have the capability of doing it, and the supporting cast around them will lead you to believe that they're going to challenge for the division which is what every quarterback wants when you're stepping foot into an organization
3: yeah there's no question the saints head and shoulders above everyone else because everyone
5: else has got quarterback questions within that within that division <laughs> think of the quarterbacks he left behind and patrick mahomes and justin herbert and russell wilson in the division for a bunch of no names and nobodies in the nfc south so yes uh he, he's better just by the company he's now keeping So, uh, and look, uh, that's something that uh, in New Orleans, I mean, he's only 31. And if you listen to a lot of reports out of the Raiders, Josh McDaniels was stifling. Wasn't giving him the ability to make a lot of checks and run the offense. And he he really was really restrictive. And so let's see. I mean, Derek Carr's a four-time Pro Bowl quarterback, but does he have a playoff win under his belt? So now it's time. They're going to give him the keys. He knows Dennis Allen really well from their Raider days. And, uh, boom, now he's got some weapons, as Drew said. I'm real curious to see what Derek Carr looks like because a lot of the blame was placed on the system and the head coach and the play caller last year in Vegas. Derek Carr, the first domino to fall. Geno Smith, three-upping. That's the second domino. Aaron Rodgers reportedly
3: receiving permission to speak with the Jets. Does he leave Green Bay? And then, Drew, we're also keeping an eye on what's going on in Baltimore and the New York Giants, Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, discussing long-term deals. The franchise or the deadline to place the franchise tag on a player is coming up this afternoon. Mere hours away as we speak here on this Tuesday. If a deal does not get done, the Ravens have already said they'll place that franchise tag on Jackson. The Giants, you got a decision to make. If it's not Daniel Jones, then maybe it's Saquon Barkley you tag.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, two tough decisions, right? You look at the player's perspective on both of these situations, and Lamar has every right to say, well, I, I deserve a contract in line with Deshaun Watson. I want that kind of guarantee because that's what I'm capable of. I've shown that over the duration of, his, of my career. He deserves that. Now, whether it's a little bit less, but it should be fully guaranteed. I think a guy of his caliber, of his playing level, within that same exact division, they just handed it over to Sean Watson. He is going to hold Pat, so if they can't get a deal done, you do slap the franchise tag on him. Daniel Jones is a little bit different because there were so many question marks last year at this time, and there has been a great marriage between him and Brian Dable to be able to do that, and Mike Kafka, who was in line for the the head job here, or at least interviewed as as a finalist. So you look at what that is. Daniel doesn't want to change because he's finally found something good there. But he wants to be compensated, and sometimes your agents are going to try to hold it over their head of, look, you were trying to shove this guy out the door last year at this time. So now he's got the capability, and you want to hold him. And they know extremely well that they want to try and get a deal done because then they can go franchise Saquon if they don't do it because that one-two punch is what made that whole thing go but if you're a running quarterback you need protection Daniel Jones has become a running quarterback in the NFL you've got to be able to have a running back but you've also got to be able to protect yourself from injury if it occurs
5: he ran it 17 times in that playoff win but he got a road playoff win I mean that was something think about Daniel Jones he's had four offensive coordinators in four years he survived the pat schirmer debacle the joe judge disaster they had arguably the worst offensive line his first three years in the league the giants did a heck of a job fixing the offensive line so yeah it's only one year but there's a lot of cause and effect there so he's the most curious guy to me the guy who was taking number six after kyler went number one what is his future all about so those decisions daniel jones lamar jackson will know
3: soon Will we know the next time we gather here in one week's time, gentlemen,
5: Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, the Jets, or the Raiders? Raiders. Well, he touched, you know, in the darkness, he touched some of the answers, (laughs) is what he said. So, you know, only Aaron Rodgers knows. We'll see what happens. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
2: You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report.
1: 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Zach boot Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown.
2: Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app.
1: Touchdown, Cardinals win.
2: This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.